Hey everybody, this is Dell, and you're listening to another episode of the Dell and Jess Show. Hey Jess, how are you? Hey Dell, how are you? I'm great. Awesome. So I only have one news item this week. It's a little old, um, maybe a tad bit stale, <laughs> but it's worth discussing. So okay. you know that book, The Shack, right? Yes, I do. Okay. So um, the book, The Shack, they're making it into a movie. It comes out really soon, though, right? Like March 3rd or something? It comes yes. out really soon. Yes. So they're and making that book. I believe it book... comes out this Friday, March the... Yes, the 3rd, yes. whenever that is. Yes. yes. So, so that's what we're doing. You believe it's um, March already? Yeah, it's March. It really is. So everybody in the world is freaking out. Well, not everybody in the world. Let me walk that back. Many you a white male Christian is freaking ba- out. You mean every, everyone in the white male Baptist world? Well, white male world, white male, you know, Christian world, period. Okay. Many of them are freaking out. Okay. Because one of the hallmarks of The Shack, and The Shack was a book, again, is that, um, and I can, I've read the book, so this, see, it's weird because people might be like, oh, well, don't give away spoilers for the movie, but this book has been out for Almost a decade. Um, it really over has. A decade? You just really made me think about the last time that I read it. And it actually came up on my, you know, timeline, like in terms of memories. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it was at least, goodness gracious, it's at least like I read it about five, five or so years ago. And so yeah. I was commenting on it and I was telling folks that it's the kind of book that you want to make sure that you have a box of tissues with as you're reading it. Now, the, if you're if you're in a, if you're a sensitive and emotional person, you definitely need a box of tissues. If not, I'll just say that it's definitely really, really it, it's really something they deal with some very serious subject matter. So it's in terms of Christian books. I feel like it's much more edgier than the other Christian books that everyone has raved about, ranted and raved about. So, Particularly for the time that the book came out. I think by you saying that you didn't really give anything away, um, I will say that the time the book came out and then when the time I actually read it, mm-hmm. it actually was good for where I was then. Mm-hmm. Um, for I am now, it falls kind of short but yeah i don't want to talk so too much about what's in the book because right. people may not have read it and then right. i don't know i don't want to spoil the movie because we will be going to the movie and we will be you know reviewing the movie yes. but the the big news issue around it is that many a white male christian um express their outrage and th- this was in numerous news stories so it's not even worth listing how many there were but one of the hallmarks of the book is that God, the Trinity, is depicted um, by using three marginalized identities. And so God is depicted in the book 
as a black woman, um, as a large black woman. Um, the Holy Spirit is portrayed as an Asian lady. Uh, and Jesus is portrayed actually as a Middle, a Middle Eastern, um, a person that looks like they're from the Middle East, like somebody who's um, um, darker skinned, facial features, the hair, um, the whole nine. Which makes so, you wonder, because it, which makes you wonder with those types of descriptions, were they angry at, at the idea of the Middle Eastern Jesus being an affront to their white Jesus? Or was it the combination of the Middle Eastern Jesus and you know, black uh, one as God the Father? It was probably, you know, I feel like, because to, if we're being historical with it, they had the same problem when the book came out. Remember Mark Driscoll? Remember that name? Oh, God. So he had a whole sermon about how the shack was just wrong and bad and terrible. And, and, and yes, um, the, the you know. heresy. It's heresy. Yeah. And I mean, and it's just hilarious because, you know, Mark Driscoll is usually bad and wrong and terrible. But um, <laughs> but there, there was a whole, like, he did a whole he hit water sermon. falling out of a boat. Like, he was so, like, they, like, folks were mad at this book. <laughs> they were really upset. And so now I will say this, though, on the flip side, I've heard other people express um, problems with the way they're depicted in the book on the other end of the spectrum, because people are sometimes, particularly in the book, um, they, though, even though on the one hand, the idea that God is being depicted as these people these marginalized identities is a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. On the flip side, though, in some ways, it's kind of stereotypical. Right. And it's kind of like, like these aren't necessarily archetypes. Right. Um, these are stereotypes. These could be construed as stereotypes. And so you have this large black lady in the kitchen right. who's catering to this white man, mm -hmm. right? Right. And they're in, in his journey. Yes. And then you have the Asian Holy Spirit that's darkened all around in the garden, Right. Okay, garden stuff. And right. then you have the 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 um Middle Eastern Jesus, you know, building stuff over right. there. And right. so now was the did the person who wrote the book, I feel like probably in his mind he was taking a step forward and I won't deny him right. that. Right. I do think though, I appreciate and understand that okay. This may, on the one hand, this is a step forward. Right. On the other hand, you know, to have, you know, again, the imagery of this, like, it's, it's, it's very close, if not dead on the nose of a lot of stereotypes, particularly of black women. Mm -hmm. um, and I just wonder if this book, like if the book didn't come out when it did mm -hmm. and if the movie didn't come out like in this, like let's say The Shack was written like right now, like today, mm -hmm. I don't think that would have went over well. I just don't think it would have went over well at all. Because the 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 point of the story, like the, the star of the story is still Mac, right? Mm -hmm. Is that his name, Mac? Yes. Yeah. And so it's still the white guy who right. God is tending it to in the story and making and, and all of that. And so just the imagery of that, yeah, I appreciate that. I understand that. I think that's something that I think is one of those things where 
I see the I see the step forward. I also see how it could be a very wobbly, problematic step forward. Right. Maybe maybe it is forward all the way together, but mm, it can bring up some stuff because all these other marginalized identities are still trying to help the um um the white guy in the middle. And then they depict wisdom, right? Isn't wisdom depicted um how is wisdom depicted again? I forgot. I I want to say like it was depicted as like a Latina woman or something. Mm-hmm. It was. I think, am I right about I think that? You, I think you're right. I think it was the Latino person. But I think another component of it is that again, because of the author's background and experiences, that plays into his depictions and his ability to tell a story in a a particular narrative. So it's very, it's very possible that he basically, because once again, he's still centering the white man. It's still all about healing the white man. Mm -hmm. And it's, It's, it's never at, in terms of, Oh, wait, I am the, like, I'm at the center of it, but I'm the source of all of this pain. It's never in in that terms of context. You -hmm. know, it's never in that type of uh, discussion. I mean, and granted, it's not, that's not what, I don't think that's, I don't think that's what the author wrote the book for, but it's not surprising given, you know, his experience and just that, that overall background. So I think that's something that I, I, I keep keep in mind when I am, you know, when we're talking about this particular author. And I think another really good point that we should mention is that there are certain things and certain narratives that have been that everyone has suddenly taken in. And it requires you to step away for you to even see that that's even something that's an issue. Right. To even question it. So while it is a step forward in the sense of being in a pitch black room and then suddenly the lights are slow, like the lights go from being dim to full on fluorescent. I think in terms of where I am, I think it's still very much like being in a very, very dimly lit room. That's a cool analogy. Like, so there is a light, but it's dim. Right. (laughs) Right. That can be construed to be kind of disrespectful in a way. It's like, well, you have a little light. Right. But I'm not, but but again, I'm not knocking someone for being where they are because that's where they are. And I can't, I can't argue with someone that has had a particular experience. I just, I I refuse to do that because that's just, that's the crux. I I just find it to be quite rude and just pointless. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I think it is a, I think it is worth talking about. Right. Because this is still coming from, the imagination of a white guy for right. better or for worse. And so, and so, and we're limited by the experiences that we had up to that point. I think that we can talk about how there's problems with that 
and still talk about the fact that people lost their shit basically because Listen. God can't be a black woman. And, right. And, I mean, no the fact really, that like, the fact that folks were already going off about Michael Gunger and God is not a white man. Like, really? I love that song. Really? <laughs> That's we, one of the few Christian, like, I'm trying to think in recent years what Christian songs I actually even played more than once on purpose. <laughs> like, to actually <laughs> hear the words. Like, there's some, like, Marvin Sapp song or something that I'll play just because, like, it's cool. Like, the beat is cool. Right. And the singing is good. But I won't really care what, what they're actually saying. Right. But, like, like the God is not a man. God is not a white man. Like, I actually like that song. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just, like, I have not seen anybody discuss how they have a problem with the Holy Spirit being an Asian lady or, um, you know, Jesus actually looking like he probably would have looked. Um, but it's just been the black woman piece. Even when the book came out, I don't remember anyone because I, I read the book mm-hmm. a few years after it came out, mm-hmm. and I only ever heard people discuss the fact that God is as a black woman. Right. I never heard anyone actually complain about um the other two characters. Um, but yeah, I mean. That's just, we, ugh. you know, I, I really find it very disappointing. Well, yes, I'm disappointed, but this is true of the church, period, yeah. that most of the church is made up of women, and women are often not treated well in church. Um, and if we really want to talk about being at the bottom of the barrel, you know where, where black women land. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just really... Uh, it's it's infuriating it's disappointing i think for me i'm at the point now where and and i'll admit this i acknowledge how black women in particular are treated in church Mm -hmm. i acknowledge it it is true at the same time i think homophobia troubles that for me well not well troubles is the wrong word it complicates it well that's the same thing as troubled isn't it no, I just think it, it, it. I think what you're saying is is that the level of what's the word? The level of upset that you experience in terms of your relationship with the church mm-hmm. and your engagement with it um, is assaulted on several different fronts and it's very nuanced and tangled yeah i mean i yeah i i acknowledge that i acknowledge what black women go through um i also acknowledge that you know even me because how i show up in the world could be used against like i know that you know if i just show up and no one knows that you know hey this is a gay guy here (laughs) just because of how i look and sound that I'm going to be probably taken more seriously than other women in the room. I know that to be true. Once that um, that lid of assumed heterosexuality is pulled off, mm-hmm. <laughs> then the rules change because you know, like you know, like you have stuff like Kim Burrell and mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. who will say and do terrible things, and so it's. And I think the fact is that I think what often gets left out is that there are lots of queer women in church. And that's something that no one tends to talk about. I know we talked about that a little while ago, but 
even in that conversation, so many people, it's like no one seems to remember or can, can conceptualize in their mind that there are queer women in the pews. And it just seems to be like, it's this big divide that all the gays are men and all the women are straight. And so there's no one who's in the middle who gets hit with both in a way, you know, and so it gets nuanced, but. Right. But I think that's the issue. The issue is that they believe they have, they have taken in and, you know, you and I, in our experiences, we've we've been indoctrinated on it in terms of the hierarchy. And it may not have been explicit, but it was implicit in terms of opportunity, in terms of just uh, financial decisions. It was also subtle in terms of even the manner in which certain Things were communicated. And mm. it sucks, but it's also a reflection of what people have experienced, taught, and learned and saw. Which kind of goes into what we were, you know, talking about earlier in terms of this hierarchy that we're referring to that screws everybody including the guys yeah it does including the 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 cisgendered you know heterosexual male like it screws them because in essence it infantizes you know infantizes them and it also is demeaning because it makes these assumptions about intelligence and competence and also, yeah. overall understanding of self-worth and self-awareness. Well, can we segue from that into our um, our topic for the evening? Yes, we're going to talk about Boaz. <laughs> I can't even do that. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even do that. I can't even do the whole song. It's just hilarious to me because the fact that there was even a Christian, a so-called Christian video <laughs> about I'm this is so ridiculous. Oh, so all right. So for people who are listening who don't know, <laughs> there was a video. All right. So I, I haven't told you this part. Okay. So in that video is one of my sisters one of my deaf sisters is in that video stop it yes i did not know that until the one day yes now i still laugh (laughs) because it's hilarious but the dropping of the prayer claws and the dance number um yes she yeah she's it's i'm yeah she's in there um and (laughs) it's i did not know that because i did not see her until she told me she was in it. <gasps> I did not know that she was in the video. Man, I didn't know it at all. You are better than me because I'm telling you, I probably would have laughed for a good 15 minutes. And then what I would have been like, okay, you know, I'm frying you, right? No, I was late though. Like apparently everybody had seen it. And like this video is like decently old. Like we're talking 
probably almost 10 years old now at this point. I so, think so. Yeah. And but you've got Christian is, comedians that have like basically used it for their staple. Another podcast. Yeah, like Kev on stage yes. used it. And so that's why I don't feel as bad anymore <laughs> about laughing because it's like a national phenomenon now. No, but that's like, there's another one. There's another one in relation to the subject matter that we're talking about waiting for your Boaz. And so there's another one. Her name is Christian A. Porter, but she dresses like like a, like a middle-aged church lady named Shirlene. And when oh. I tell you... I laugh every time because she nails it and she talks about she there's a line where someone's asking her when is so-and-so going to ask you to marry him and so she goes sounds like a question straight from your grandmother someone ask of thine own questions for thine own mouth or I'll pop the messenger (laughs) listen well I mean let's well before we dive in like (laughs) We know when, for church folks, anytime Boaz is mentioned, we know what's coming next. And so Boaz, the idea of Boaz, and I say it that way on purpose, the idea of Boaz is to communicate this virtue of telling women in church to wait um, and to be useful and that if they are doing all of the right things, then their um, heavenly appointed husband will appear. Because you're supposed to wait um, for Boaz. Now, in the Bible, um, the story of there is no book called Boaz. You'd think that there was, the way people talk about it, right? <laughs> 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 but there's not the story of Boaz appears in the book of Ruth in the Hebrew scriptures, mm-hmm. um, the Hebrew Bible. Um, a quick brief rundown is Ruth is the wife. Well, how do I say this quickly? She's All right. the widow of a Jew of uh, two sons by this Jewish woman named Naomi. She's not yeah. Jewish. She's from the one of the she's, ites. She's a, she's I think she's a Moabite. Yes, I she's think a she's Moabite from woman. She's a Moabite mm-hmm. woman. And both Naomi's sons were basically mar were you know were married. Ruth was married to one of Naomi's sons. Both the sons die, and apparently Naomi is just like in this bitter. I'm alone. Why are you staying here? Tell it to me. You can move on with your life. And the first daughter-in-law was like, all right, peace. Uh. (laughs) Cool. You ain't got to tell me twice. And the second wife, Ruth, was like, nah, I'm not staying. I'm ride or die. You know, where you go, I'm going. And I'm your people's now. I'm just, again, I'm paraphrasing. Which people use in weddings all over. Like, there's this video of these two um, senior citizen um, black gay dudes. Mm -hmm. And they've been together for, like, ever. And so they got married Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years ago. They're, like, in their 70s, I think. Mm -hmm. And they quote from that. They say, you know, where you go, I will go also. Where you die, there I will die, whatever. And people use that in their wedding vows. Hell, I might. You know, I mean, but, I mean, you know, 
but here's the thing it. though that it's it's people use that in wedding vows but that was said from one woman to another right right exactly <laughs> but get this though this is the thing that's so crazy to me i always feel like in this rundown naomi is the mvp in this whole thing she is straight playing chess and these bamas are playing checkers so in the meantime there's a famine going down so as is custom ruth is grabbing you know like leftover you know stalks of grain that the sickle didn't um catch up in the harvest and so according to like jewish i guess ancient jewish tradition you know you're supposed to allow people to glean from the leftovers or the little remnants Mm -hmm. and so apparently um naomi's I'll just say for legal terms, next of kin (laughs) in terms of like inheritance reasons is owns the field or what have you. And so he peeps Ruth, you know, grabbing from the the fields or what have you. And so he deliberately does as a little extra tells his workers to do that. And I guess they have a conversation and Ruth go comes back and tells Naomi and Naomi was like, all right, look, this is the plan. This is what you got to do. You found a favor, blah, blah, blah. So Naomi basically tells Ruth what to do. Ruth does it. And Ruth sets it up. So that Boaz basically has to step up to the plate for Ruth. Now, here's the thing, though. I think here's the thing that, and I think going back to what we were talking about um, in the last show, how... Um, where did I, did I say that in the last show? It was some show I was, I think I was talking to somebody else. It, it maybe it was on a different place or whatever. But there's a lot of, there's a bunch of stuff in the Bible that you probably won't pick up unless you actually are taught it. And That's so true. this is a situation where. Yes, it like, certainly is. And, and so this is a situation of like leveret marriage. And so what happens is, and, and you see this play out. It happens a couple of times in Genesis and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was, um, the, remember, you, you know, marriage was about property. And right. so it really wasn't about love or anything like that. It's about making sure that property stays in the family. Because if you intermingle, then you're going to lose your stuff. And so the idea is to keep property and stuff in the family. And so if, let's say, you... It's a family affair. <laughs> of course. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine if you, like, if you and I, let's say I had a brother and you and I were married, I die. It's the brother's, it's my brother's responsibility to marry you and have kids by you. So then those kids can be kind of like taken into account and then we don't lose our stuff. Like the stuff stays in the family. So, like that's so twisted though because then you, you like the pass around. But that, that was the rule that women were property then. Like, and right, so the problem is, like, but here's the catch though, with Boaz... Boaz was a very distant relative. He right. did not have to. Right. He did not have to marry them. And I think that goes to the point what I'm saying next is that the, the setup, Ruth goes into Boaz while he's laying on the threshing floor. Mm-hmm. And in and, and all of our Bibles, it talks about she laid at his feet. Oh, that's not that's, what she did. That's, but see, <laughs> laying at someone's feet was an ancient Near East euphemism for, for oral sex. 
sex I, of, of some sort. There was some sexual activity that happened. See, that and Ruth had was, nobody's ring on her finger. Right. But that was the thing that was so... That's why I, like... I wish you had t- taken a screenshot of your thread when you guys discussed this about uh, Boaz talking about she wasn't... She was working the field. She wasn't... Twer- she wasn't... She was working in the fields instead of twerking or something like that. We're talking about what Ruth was doing. And then all of a sudden, you and a few of your friends um, in seminary, if I recall, were going in with these jokes about <laughs> Ruth. And I thought about it and I was thinking, OK, she really was trying to compete, compete with Superhead here. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Really? <laughs> but no, seriously, though, I think that that's the problem is that the way now I think that's one of those situations where, OK, like if you are cracking open your NIV Bible or your King James Bible, it's going to say she laid at his feet. Right. And so that's what you're going to think if right. you don't know anything else like that. Right. So I, I really can't be too angry about people not getting that because. That's what your Bible. It's the same thing with like homosexuality. If like right. that word, right. even the concept right. did not exist until the 1800s. Right. So there's no way that anyone um, in ancient Greece or, you know, or, or an ancient Israelite would be thinking about homosexuality. Right. Clearly there were gay people. Clearly right. they knew about, you know, gay sexual, act, you know, what we would consider gay sexual activities. Right. But the concept, like to the point where someone would write a word that is a synonym or mm-hmm. to a word that could be translated to homosexuality. Right. And anywhere in the Bible is like, it's, it's impossible. There can, like, for example, there can be a word in German um, that it's just one word and it takes you like 10 words in English to explain it because there's no word in English. But that, whoever was reading that will understand that. And so the thing about it is, is that you could argue that Naomi knew that Boaz was under no true obligation to take Ruth on as a wife because he was so distantly related to her. And so she had to do something to make it worth his while to show that she was worth it. And so she sat that thing out, and that's what she did. That's the story. Right, which is why I always say Naomi was the first pimp. Oh, see? You know, she probably wasn't the first one, but well, she's a prominent first. male one. I mean, a but prominent she was um, the, she female was, one. She was one of the OGs. I mean, they did what they had to do to survive. Like you said, they were in a famine. And so, you know... Even if you discuss this reading of the text, I think people who might have aversions to ideas like sex work um, and things of that nature will automatically get into like, you know, their respectability thing. But they were starving. They were women in the ancient Near East who had no type. Like if you didn't have any connection to any type of male figure, you were basically asked out. And so... They did what they had to do to survive. These are the right. rules and the laws that they had to work with. Right. There were no Bell Hooks books around. <laughs> there was no Gloria Steinem. There was nothing. Like, like there was these ideas of how to fake it till you make it or whatever it is. Like, they, they weren't 
they weren't around. And so they had to do the best thing that they could do to get to the tomorrow, to not starve. And so that was saying that, hey, this is Boaz. He's like, you know, he's Boaz is my son's, um, you know, 12th cousin twice removed or something. Right. And he got money. He got cash money. He got coins. So, you know, and she did what it did. And that's how we got David. Right. You know, like that's how the story ends. That's how we got David. And so the text itself does not seem to mind that this is how we got an important figure such as David. It does not seem to mind that um, David, um, I mean, clearly they were married at that point, but it, the, the text doesn't seem to mind that um, the marriage that led to the creation of David was the result of premarital sex, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. The, text has, the text does not seem to care. Um, the text does not. I mean, Boaz, clearly he had money and stuff. But the idea of Boaz as this archetypical guy that anyone would want is not there. Boaz was probably significantly older. Mm. Um, there's nothing really that. The, the real story is about Ruth. Um, and like, and I know in my um, Hebrew Bible class, what we had, we had like an assignment to do and we had to talk about what we will call the book. And so we all said the book should be called, some people said that the book should be called Naomi. Mm. I think that's because she, she was the, you know, the, the, the mastermind. There. Right. Again, chess, playing chess. But also Naomi knew the rules of her own people. Um, Ruth didn't. Right, which is why I still say she was playing chess. Yeah, Naomi probably, well, Ruth probably wouldn't, well, who knows, but you could argue that maybe Ruth wouldn't have known that law, um, and maybe Naomi did. But I think the the bigger issue is that whenever you hear Ruth and Boaz discuss, it's never anything like what the text actually reads. Right, right. (laughs) It's a thousand miles away. Um, and it just doesn't even match. So what about that? Okay, listen, let's just talk, talk about what you said earlier about how it's used to basically tell single Christian women to be patient and to wait on the Lord and to be diligent and, you know, take care of God's business and God will send you your Boaz. And I'm giving you, I'm basically, and I would I really want to do is, I want to be like Maxine Waters and say, they have no credibility and leave. <laughs> yes. Can I help you? What do you want? That's really, that's really where I am because it's such bull. It's absolute malarkey. Like crazy uncle Joe Biden would say. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I have seen too many single Christian women in the pews year after year, the same message over and over again. And it's just tired and it's whack. And it's so ridiculous because that is not what really happens. And it's very difficult for me to believe and listen to a message like this from somebody who got married at 12. And, you know, when they were dating, if they ever dated, they probably, I mean, it was during the, the, the old Oregon Trail. I mean, like, come on. You don't really know what it's like to be single 
out here? You know, I think this is Christian. And I understand. I understand that, that, you know, you're, you know, you're half, you, you, you can only speak from your experience. I get it. Completely get it. But you know how I feel about people just being really honest. Like, just be straight up. If you don't know what to say and you just don't know how to um, help, I'd rather you just do the standard. I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. And it's, it's just it's just not really helpful because what you're really in effect by saying is that you're basically ignoring several different factors or you're ignoring the possibility that guess what? Maybe the issue isn't necessarily them. <laughs> you know, stop trying to find blame. Maybe it's just the reality that they are really just not in a position to be in a relationship or there are certain factors that really have an impact on their ability to really have the relationship that like they want. I don't know, like the prison industrial complex. I don't know, like um, the available single men within a particular area. It's just it's just a whole bunch of other factors. And to be like, oh, well, you need to just wait on your boy. And it's just it's such crap. Boy. And then you like overanalyze everything. Which is ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. It's like all this stuff just to be like, oh, I like you. Really? Really? (laughs) I just had to say it. I might might have an outburst again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really? Like, who who in their right mind would be like, Oh, all of a sudden the music, the music starts going and there he comes. No, it really doesn't well, go down like that. There was once upon a time, this would have all been so cutting edge and made all the sense in the world to me. But, you know, I think you're, you're right, though. I think what the bigger issue is, is one, let's talk about dating. We, I think we have a very a historical understanding of dating. How much time like, you got? <laughs> Let me dust off, you know, my scholar glasses. But no, I mean, but seriously, people didn't really start dating until the people started moving to cities and urban areas. Because prior to that, you probably were only around the same 20 to 50 people that you saw your entire life. Right. right. But when people move to cities, you're disconnected from you're like in the cities, you're exposed to all these new different people. And so you don't automatically know the Hatfield's daughter up the road since she was five. And so you have to find some new way to make this happen. Did you say the Hatfield's daughter? Yeah. Like, (laughs) like you don't really, like, so things change. Um, And so people, that's when the idea of dating, quote unquote, pops up. And so the problem is, though, is we have this idea now um, that, well, one, we don't understand dating. And even if we understand dating, dating is of the world. You're supposed to court people. Oh, God. Don't get so me started court. on that. And so Solomon, oh, see, we're getting into a whole nother book now, but people will take Song of Songs, which is, you know, most people know it's Song of Solomon. Right. Um, and say that the, the male figure, if there even was a male figure, um, I mean, th- th- there was a male figure, but that, all right, I'm, I'm getting too far into the seminary weeds. I don't want to go that far. <laughs> um, but if 
Well, long story short, at some points it's difficult to tell who the male is and who the female is. It it, it slips back and forth. Gotcha. Um, but that book, and I was taught. I'm, I mean, I've been to churches in the area. You know, very beloved pastors mm-hmm. who folks love for their scholarly precision in this area. I'm trying to be nice by not saying where. <laughs> um, because, you know, I'm not going to do that. You're not, um, going to it, a, you're not going to be a petty prince today? I'm, I'm not trying to be shady. Okay. I don't mind saying that they were wrong. <laughs> but I don't want to be I don't want to be necessarily shady for okay. no reason. I don't think they weren't that in this situation. No. But you know, they had a whole series about I, I, you know, oh, well, this is how you court and there is no indication in song of songs whatsoever that these people ever got married. Um there's no indication that like if reading the text as it is, any sexual contact they had took place before that wedding part. Um, the book was not about Solomon. Um, you know, I mean, it's lots of good things about Song of Songs, but I think like if you were to take the story of Boaz and, you know, and Ruth and then um, Song of Songs, Song of Solomon together, you see why we think some of the things that we think. Mm-hmm. And I remember being taught like, you know, oh, well, you know, Solomon courted the woman. No, there was, I mean, there was an intense, passionate love affair. Marriage was not even, I mean, even if these two figures get married, the intense physical expression of their love, the sexual expression of their passion happened before they got married. Um, And I think we don't discuss that because we have, we have such rigid ideas around what relationships have to look like that we don't allow people to experience things outside of, of that. Um, and so, I mean, that's what we're taught. And people don't really, I mean, it's true that a lot of that stuff you might not be able to catch on your own. Mm. But what's also true is that people honestly don't necessarily read the text themselves closely. Mm-hmm. What happens is they might read, they'll read that portion in scripture that the pastor says to review for homework the following week, or that passage of scripture that's in the book they're reading. And so they aren't even really reading the text. They're reading what someone else is saying about mm-hmm. the text. And so they never have a chance to really see, wait a minute, because they're, they're, it's some stuff that will pop out to you as strange if you read the text just as it is. And if you sit there and you read the text, like not just a chapter here and there, but if you sit and read like five or six chapters mm-hmm. in a row, mm-hmm. stuff will pop out to you that didn't pop out before because you're actually reading it together. Right. Um, like if you take Matthew and just read five chapters at least, in one sitting or if you take Ruth and read like you can read Ruth in like under an hour right if you just sit there and read it you'll notice things that you've never noticed before if someone just like if you only know the story of Ruth by people preaching it to you and reading one scripture here and there to you um then reading it just straight through you'll find other things right and you can learn more in Dale Ruins Bible Study (laughs) (sighs) See, my, one of my favorite shows is Adam Ruins Everything. I know, it's great. So, but, you know, that show will never come out. <laughs> that that show will never happen, uh, Del Ruins Bible Study. See, I don't really, I joke about it, 
but I don't really want to mess up people's. Well, I'm lying. Some, <laughs> I'm like, Wait I think a minute. Just- some religion deserves to be messed up. Some religion deserves to be utterly frustrated and hampered and hindered. Some of it does. Nah, some of it just needs to be blown completely to some other rings. Yeah, like some some of it does. Like there, there's no argument there, and I don't mind when that happens. But my job usually isn't to set out. Because I was just talking about this today. Like what I'm really aiming to do is to show that there's another way to view this, that there's other perspectives, because. There are people who don't know that there are other ways of of inhabiting and moving through and and living with these ideas because they never are exposed to it. And so by me being a big mouth on the Internet somehow, some way, then somebody else gets to gets to see it and they get to understand it. So I'm not so much interested in like if you want someone to come and court you and if you are waiting for your Boaz, well, sister, you wait. Go on and wait. But I'm I'm more concerned about the ideas. I mean, well, even let's just be front. Like me as a gay guy, that story absolutely is harmful to me. Like I don't exist according to that story. Yep. And so the, these things, it's true that there are things where it's like, listen, you say tomato, I say tomato, let's call the whole thing off type of deal. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of stuff, more than they want to give credit for, that it's like, no, your beliefs actually impact how other people move through the world. And so if I'm somehow not this Boaz, which is what she was saying earlier, like this stuff pops back on men, too, because you aren't really good if you aren't Boaz. And our version of Boaz is you got to have money and a car and all of these things, particularly here. Like, listen. Maybe it's because I, I'm originally not from this area, but the black DMV Christian oh, is quite an interesting I, you know situation. What? Yeah. D- and particularly the, the, the circles that I was in, if you want to be a solid Christian man, of course you have to be straight. Um, of course you have to. If you don't have your stuff together by the time you are 26, you're too late. Um, you have to have everything together. You basically have to, you know, do a mating call and, and you have to, you know, have all this stuff to show. Like it puts pressure on men to be things that in today's, you know, troubling economy and, and troubling times, you really can't get all that that easily right. anymore. Um, and so it actually puts men under pressure to be something that maybe they don't want to be. Maybe they don't want to be with a woman. Maybe they don't yeah. want to have kids. Yep. Maybe they don't want to get married. You know, maybe you know, there's a lot of things here that also impact men that I think if we talked about how it limits men, um, that maybe we can make some headway. But just the idea of, like, you know, Ruth is the, the dutiful woman. I mean, even that part is like when people say that Ruth was doing what she was supposed to do and she was being a girl, you know, woman leaning on the field. It's like, well, she was hungry. Like, she gets a... a Closed a, a, mouths don't get fed. Yeah, she was hungry. She's like, oh, look at her. She was... She, Boaz found her busy in the field. Well, she was hungry. You're going to find me busy in the kitchen when I'm hungry, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she was hungry. Like, they, they, she was hungry. There was a famine. Boaz had grain. And she might Nothing. have been angry. 
Yeah, like, come on. Like, they're, they're, it's, we, I mean, long story short, the story that we tell there ain't the story that actually happens. They should have just called instead of stories we tell, lies you tell. <laughs> right. It's lies and scandal. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that's it. Like, we, the, the, the Bible itself has a lot of crappy stuff in it. Yes, it does. However, we also bring our stuff to the text. Yep. And so if we want to see a world where women have to wait for God to send someone via UPS or whatever it is. <laughs> Not <to> UPS. You, <laughs> um, Amazon Prime. <laughs> but see, you know, but, but here, here's the, here is the, the screwy part about that. The problem with that is it sets up being married as the ultimate level of Christian maturity. Yep. And so if you don't have a husband, it's kind of implicitly something wrong with you. Right. Either that or God is making you wait forever because you have great faith. And women can't have children forever. And so you don't, you know, at some point, your maturity is called into question. Right. And if you're a man and if you don't get married, well, what's wrong? Is something wrong with you? Hint, right. hint. I.e., are you gay because you're not married? And literally, I, I, I kid you not. So I am, I will be turning 37 in September. So I'm in my 30s. Ooh. I know. I know. It's crazy, right? So I'm visiting my grandmother and my sisters and I, and we're just talking and she's filling us in and everything. And She's talking about my, you know, my second cousins and what they what's been going on with them. And then she's like, well, you don't have a boyfriend. What's wrong with you? And I'm thinking to myself. You just explained to me about stuff that's going on and you you're we're watching something and you see how the men are behaving and you're asking me why I'm not with the dude. Yeah, it's it's but at the same time, given who she is and what I know about her and wh what where she's coming from, I don't strangely enough, I don't pay it as much mind because it's not something that I really am like too worried about because I frankly don't think like everybody else when it comes to relationships. I'm not going to get into that whole detail, but I just think that it's always interesting that, you know, we still suddenly have this idea that, you know, marriage and kids is supposed to be a mark of maturity. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is, is that I've seen plenty of individuals who have more sense in their pinky finger there's some of these folks out here and it's just, it's heartbreaking because there's some people that they really want to get married. They really want to have a family and for whatever reason, they're not. And I think what kind of frustrates me is that you have them being blocked from potentially something that they really are. I mean, dare say a calling because you have this idea and worldview about how the world works and how 
um, what a mature believer looks like. And maybe you don't want to have kids. Maybe you've done a self-assessment and maybe you have looked through your life and you realize that you don't have the patience for kids or that you don't have the money for kids or that there's something else that you want more. And even that there are other ways to be in kids. Like I know for myself, I would love to have kids. I probably could do with just having one if I do have kids at all. Right. But if I don't have kids, like I have two nephews, I'll be the great, I'll be the world's greatest nep- um, uncle in the world. Right. And I would love to mentor kids. Like there are ways to be involved in children's lives that don't involve you having them in your house until they're 18 or older. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean you, that, you know, right. that it's bad. And this is not to knock people that are already parents out there, but just because you are physically able to have children does not mean that you're going to be a good parent. Not at all. Not at all. And it's just, it's just sad because what I really think is happening is you have folks that are very much, um, they, they deal with uncertainty and unknowns and they use certain traditions and certain things as a barometer to shore up their particular discomfort. So when you don't, when you are dealing with being around, let's say you're in an environment and you're seeing that there are more single people in your congregation and you don't know how to deal with it because all you have basically known and dealt with are families. <laughs> well, you know how singles ministries are in churches. Basically, Singles ministries are the holding pen for all of the, like, I don't know, pupating adults, maybe? Did you say pupating? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not really, what's that Britney Spears song? I'm not a girl, yet not a woman. And so you're not, you know, you're not really an adult until you're married. And so um, that singles ministry is where all of the kind of adults, <laughs> I, I think I think of singles ministry as the uh, the Christian older Christian other. So once you get past high school, then it's the older Christian who we don't know what to deal with and don't know how to relate to. Because mm-hmm, they can't do as much. All they can do is write a check. So we don't really. Right. You know, we just want them to keep writing. That either check. They can't. Either, either they, they can't write all the all they can do is write a check or. The age after, oh, we'll just have them run everything. They're young. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, they, it, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's why that Boaz story is so rooted in people's minds because it's this idea, you know, that we have these really, these, these really unfortunate ideas around sex and relationships. Um, and they, I mean, like I said last time that, our ideas around sexuality and gender are tied up in so much that if we could somehow dig into dealing with those, we could begin to take steps forward for everybody. Oh, I, um, I, I but, wholeheartedly you know, agree. But unfortunately, until that day comes, yeah, my moratorium on church guys is, is staying. Oh, I understand. That bad boy I, is not getting lifted. I, I don't care if there is, if the apocalypse is approaching. Nah, sorry. 
Well, in nope. my experience. Nope. <laughs> Not happening. I well, see I can't. It depends on what type of church guy you mean. I guess talking in my well, I mean, I'm in a relationship now, so it doesn't right. really matter. Like But <laughs> I, I have dated church guys. I would even if I let's say this relationship ends and if I dated somebody who was like deeply into church. Mm-hmm. They would have to be a particular type of Christian for it to work. Yeah. If it was just like, so if it was just, and and Christ has kept a lot of, at least in my experience, a lot of gay Christians, still a lot of theology that I'm kind of like, ew, no. <laughs> um, and so, and that often seeps out and stuff. And so I know for me, it would be a really difficult time. Like a lot, unfortunately, I think a lot of gay Christian situations, mm-hmm. um, that it's just the whole okay, well, you can bring a boyfriend to church, but we're going to leave everything the same. And so, in some ways, it's still a big step forward, but in the other ways, it's just like, well, no, this really isn't that, right? right. Well, you know, right? But I, I wouldn't be able to date somebody who had still had some pretty traditional mm-hmm. Christian values, it would be difficult because your life, people live their life through those ideals and I don't in those ways anymore. And right. so we would be so different that we would consistently butt heads. Right. Um, and so it wouldn't right. work for me and that's, at all. And that's what I'm saying because I don't, again, because the way I see, because of the, the way I have my perspective on just relating period because to me it's just beyond just the romantic opposite sex you know dating someone queer or dating someone um you know straight what have you like whatever it is i just think my issue is that which dynamic are you approaching relating as a whole from not just in terms of dating you know, not even in terms of the, just in terms of dating. Like, what is your what is your viewpoint? What do you think is the point of relationships? Are you the type of person that basically views relating to all other humans in terms of power, control, or what you can get out of them? Are you someone that is really just more bent on getting, getting, and getting without? giving anything or giving as little as possible or are you the type of person to be you know authentic and true to what you believe in and be upfront about who you are and what you want and also be willing to be vulnerable and I don't think a lot of people are really willing to be vulnerable and they're also not willing to actually stick around after after they've they've been vulnerable or the or vice versa. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dell and Jess. If you like this episode, please comment and give us a five star rating or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Follow us on Twitter and at Dell and Jess and shoot us your questions, thoughts, and ideas at the Dell and Jess Show at gmail.com. Bye.